Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve. Hey, Steve, it is one week until Iowa, and all the polls, including our acquaintance Nate Silver, say the same thing. It's Trump's to lose. He says Trump has a 55% chance of winning the Iowa caucus. Do you think he's right? Yeah, 55. I think that's probably right. Uh, if you look at the, the polling over the last week, it certainly seems that Trump has pulled away a little bit from Ted Cruz. We're finding that across all polls. Um, you know, how much I think is, is open to question and probably depends a little bit on how they're screening for likely voters. But I think it's fair to say that it's Trump's to lose in Iowa at this point. Sure. So what happened in the past two weeks? I thought evangelical Christians, the great organization of Ted Cruz on the ground, I thought that's what it took to win Iowa. I mean, how are we really going to see Iowa, Steve, go from the Huckabee Santorum state to the New York values, Donald Trump state? Nah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, the the real issue will be how many um, people in Iowa, how many citizens of Iowa who are not previous caucus goers show up and vote for Donald Trump. That is going to determine who wins and loses Iowa. I think if you have the same electorate that you had in 2012 or 2008, Cruz uh, would be at least as likely to win right. as Trump. But what, what Trump threatens, I think, is uh, that he will turn out a lot of people who haven't been to caucuses before. And talking to people on the ground in Iowa, um, you know, Iowa Republican leaders who aren't aligned with any candidate and average voters, uh, there are people who are going to go out for the first time who haven't caucused before and who are going to go out and, and support Trump. So uh, I, I think it's entirely possible. I think it's likely that Trump wins Iowa. So what does that mean for Ted Cruz? Well, look, I, I do think Cruz will still do well in Iowa. I mean, you, you look at his support from evangelical Christians, from Bob Vanderplatz, who's the, the leader of uh, a group called Family Leader out in Iowa, a very influential group. Certainly their their ground operation is one of the reasons that Rick Santorum uh, effectively won in 2012 and that Mike Huckabee won in 2008. Um, they've got tremendous grassroots support. They've got uh, networks of homeschool parents, um, evangelical uh, groups in mostly in the northwest corner of Iowa, but elsewhere in the state as well. And they will get their voters to the polls. And I think, you know, Cruz, Cruz will maintain the level of the support that we've seen him getting in polling there for the past month. You could argue that it doesn't matter what happens to Cruz or to Rubio or anyone else because you ask the question, if uh, Trump wins in Iowa, well, what does he do in New Hampshire? Of course he wins in New Hampshire. Then he wins in Iowa, New Hampshire. Aren't we done? Isn't, Isn't it President Trump and the rest is just fill in the blanks? Well, it's certainly not President Trump. I don't think it's even nominee Trump, but I mean, I think you look at Donald Trump's favorability uh, ratings with the, the the electorate at large, the general election electorate, and, and he's negative 25 in some cases. He's the least popular Republican um, other than Jeb Bush, actually, if you look at the, the favorability, unfavorability ratings right now. Um, but no, I don't think that if Donald Trump wins Iowa, he's the nominee. I, I know there's a lot of speculation about that out there to that effect. I think that's way, way premature. Trump has a cap on his support. As much as he has a hardcore base of supporters who will form sort of the nucleus of um, what we see him getting in these early states, he's also got a, a very many number of Republicans who don't support him and will never vote for him. There was a poll over the weekend of Iowa Republicans, 20% said they will never vote for Donald Trump, wouldn't vote for him in a head-to-head race 
against a Democrat in the general election. There's a New York Times article about New Hampshire Republicans, 68% of whom say they won't vote for Donald Trump. They don't support Donald Trump. So while he's got a hardcore base of support, people who would, I think, show up and vote for him, even if he shot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue, as he (laughs) suggested the other day, uh, you've got an equal number of of people, maybe a a bigger number of people who won't vote for him under any circumstances. So I think his support is capped, and that means he's vulnerable down the road. And the last point I'd make on that particular question is this. If you total the number of delegates that will be assigned in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, you're talking about 5% of the number of delegates that are needed to win the Republican nomination. So the idea that somebody would have it wrapped up because they've done well in contests that assign 5% of the delegates, I think, is, is silly. It's been a long time, uh, Steve. In fact, I can't think of a time that we had somebody coming out of South Carolina who was losing, who came on to win. And you have to beat Donald Trump with somebody. Who's going to rise up to beat him? That, in many ways, is the question of the of the election, isn't it? Uh, I think if Ted Cruz does well in, in Iowa and then can carry that momentum into New Hampshire, people turn to Ted Cruz and they look at Ted Cruz as the as the guy who will save the Republican Party from Donald Trump. And we've seen a split among conservatives on the question of Cruz versus Trump. It's definitely the case, as Cruz has been arguing lately, that Donald Trump is pulling more of the so-called Republican establishment than than Cruz is. Uh, And Trump has now changed his appeal, incidentally, which I find fascinating. You have Trump on the stump telling people, hey, look, if you elect me, a lot of this stuff I'm saying, I probably won't be saying it anymore. So he said over the weekend, if, if I'm elected, if I'm president, I will be as politically correct as you can be. Uh, previously, he said, if I'm elected president, it's going to be time to be a little establishment and to make deals. I mean, presumably, what drove people to Trump in droves were exactly the opposite of what he's saying now, that he, that he was anti-establishment and that he was politically incorrect. And now he's telling voters in advance, I will be politically correct and I will be establishment. It's like it's like the con man is telling the marks in advance. You're the marks. Oh, Steve. People are still supporting him. Oh, Steve, 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 you and your silly sentences. We're so beyond sentences. Don't you know that? (laughs) As I uh, as I wrote at the uh, Michael Graham blog, the difference between Larry Lonesome Rhodes and a face in the crowd and Donald Trump is that Trump knows the mic is on. But go back, (laughs) go back to square one. Your point number one. I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and my supporters are still going to support me. And so there's that. I want to get back to this idea that someone else can beat him. Uh, I could see Trump absorbing the entire Trump Cruz universe of votes. I can definitely see that. But there's that other universe of votes you keep pointing out that exists. Only no one can get any traction because there's Jeb Bush carpet bombing the most attractive general election candidates the Republican Party has. He's not taking on Trump, I mean, a little bit. He's blowing the snot out of Marco Rubio. He's fighting the fight uh, to make sure that Trump doesn't have to face anybody on this notion that one day it's going to come down to Trump or Jeb. Well, I got news for Jeb. If it comes down to Trump or Jeb, the only way that Donald Trump is the most popular Republican in the room is if the other Republican in the room with him is Jeb Bush. Look, it's, it is almost inconceivable that it comes down to Trump or Jeb. As I said earlier, Trump, uh, Jeb's favorabilities 
favorable, unfavorables right now are lower, are worse mm. than Donald Trump's. So the idea that Jeb Bush is going to have some resurgence, I think you have to be a, a real true believer in Jeb Bush to to believe that. But look, in, in defense, in their defense, defense of the Bush campaign and, and right to rise, their job is to get Jeb Bush elected. So they're doing – I don't think they have many paths. I don't think this is a real path. But the path that they're taking right now is the only conceivable path. I do think it will likely have the effect that you suggest. If you look at what they've done, spending $22 million on negative advertising between December 1 and this past weekend, $20 million of which was targeting Marco Rubio, they've made no bones about the fact that their goal is to kill off all of the non-Trump candidates so that it might be a Jeb Trump race at the end. That's their strategy. Mike Murphy said it in August. He said it again in October, said if, if other campaigns think that we're going to spend a lot of money on hitting Donald Trump, they're wrong. We would love to have a Trump versus Bush race at the end. Well, that's fine. But the effect of that, if Jeb Bush doesn't rise to be the one who's facing Donald Trump, is that you've killed off or helped to kill off all of the other non-Trump candidates, in particular, as you point out, Marco Rubio, who was showing he tripled his, his his numbers in the polls, in national polls and in early states between September 1 and December 1. And then when Right to Rise, this pro-Jeb super PAC went on the air beating up Marco Rubio, first Marco Rubio and uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, then almost exclusively Rubio. His numbers have leveled off. He's plateaued. And I think that the reason he's plateaued is because they've been carpet bombing Marco Rubio, this right to rise pack. I saw a report today that there are right to rise anti-Rubio ads running in Missouri today. I wonder if that might not just be bleed over from the Iowa market because they share a border or if they're really you know, forward selling that far down the road. But, uh, yeah, I've heard the same thing about uh, Right to Rise ads in California, in Wisconsin, and elsewhere. I believe what people are doing is seeing those ads on Fox News, right. and it's part of the national Fox News buy rather than specific buys in those um, Missouri, California, Wisconsin media markets, but I'm looking into it. But it's, it's just really interesting that uh, you look at the Bush family's legacy, and I think it's you could make the case – that they've been very, the net result of the Bush uh, dynasty has been negative for the Republican Party as a whole. They lost in the White House as an incumbent, which is very hard to do. In 1992, um, they, you know, W couldn't win the popular vote uh, and then uh, you know, uh, uh, won a narrow reelection once again as an incumbent. And now you have Jeb nuking uh, what you could argue is the party's future. All for what? That's the part that frustrates me. If this were a fight between Rubio, Cruz, Christie, I'd say, oh, okay, well, one of these guys is going to win. Everybody knows, and Jeb has to know, that the Republican Party is not going to make him their nominee. It's just not going to happen. And yet it's this lay-waste strategy. It's hard to reconcile. Well, that's the real question. I mean, if, if, if Jeb does know that, and if the, the team that's working for him does know that, are they spending this money just out of spite because they're so angry with Marco Rubio for having stepped in and had the audacity to run when, you know, in their view, it was Jeb's turn? There's no question that that sentiment is, I would say, prevalent in the leadership of both the campaign and the Super PAC. Um, and, you know, there have been stories about that going back, that that the that Jeb world has even called Rubio Judas for mm. uh, for deigning to jump in. 
Um, I would hope that that's not what's motivating them here. I hope that they're doing this because it's just their job and because they, they still see some past for Jeb. But, yeah, I think it's it's unrealistic. And, and I think certainly some donors, including some Jeb, Jeb donors and Right to Rise donors that I've spoken with, have said, you know, is, is the legacy of Jeb Bush's campaign going to be uh, – burying Marco Rubio and giving Donald Trump the nomination. Okay, Steve, it's one week out. What's the finishing order in Iowa, Republicans and Democrats? We're marking the tape. Go. So I would say, as of right now, you have to believe that Donald Trump is is going to win Iowa. I think there's a strong case to be made that he's actually underperforming in some of the polls that we're seeing right now. And uh, there's reason to believe that he'll do better than than his current real clear politics polling average. Um, so I would put Trump in first and maybe in first by a, by a good chunk. Um, I would say second and third are Cruz and Rubio. I do think Cruz, in part because of the ground game that he's built, and it's not just hype, will uh, perform well in Iowa. Uh, can, he, can he plus up the ground game, the, the numbers that Santorum and Huckabee had in the last two cycles and threaten Donald Trump at the top? It's possible. I still think Trump wins. And then Rubio... You know, there's a lot of talk that Rubio is building momentum on the ground in Iowa as well. There's a New York Times piece uh, from Jeremy Peters, who's been tough on Rubio, saying it seems clear following Rubio around Iowa that there's a new momentum to his campaign. He just won the endorsement of the Des Moines Register, won the endorsement of the Sioux City Journal. He has more people showing up at his uh, at his events. Uh, people who go to his events leave as converted. Um, you know, Marco Rubio, I think, could could be a strong third and, you know, maybe even threaten Ted Cruz for second. Uh, and then after that, I think you probably are likely to see a bit of a drop off to, to Chris Christie and maybe Jeb Bush. I don't think Kasich will be much of a factor. I don't think Huckabee or Santorum probably is a factor. Ben Carson could finish in the top four. And then the question will be for Carson, you know, where do you go from there right. if you're Ben Carson? Um, and on the Democratic side, I think Sanders beats Hillary. Uh, I think he's got he's got momentum. I think uh, he's got college kids who are enthusiastic, are canvassing for him there. Um, So it's not at all inconceivable to see him beating Hillary Clinton. And then he beats her again in New Hampshire. And then we've then we've got a a different race. Everything resets if that happens. Oh, I disagree with you about the resetting part. But it is interesting to listen to you talk about how the people who lose Iowa and New Hampshire could well go on to be the party's nominees and that's just fascinating and so we'll stop right there because you're clearly off your meds and i don't want you to say anything else that will come back to haunt you no i'm kidding steve hayes thanks for your time we appreciate it you bet thanks you've been listening to the weekly standard podcast please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates i'm your host michael graham